Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. This is A Different Perspective with Kevin Randall. A retired U.S. Lieutenant Colonel, Kevin Randall has been studying UFOs for nearly 50 years. Kevin has investigated some of the most famous UFO cases in the world and has been consulted for dozens of documentaries about UFOs. Considered one of the leading experts into the Roswell UFO crash of 1947, Kevin has written more than 25 books about UFOs, including the recently published Roswell in the 21st Century. Now, here is the host of A Different Perspective, Kevin Randall. And good evening. This is, in fact, a different perspective, and today we're going to do something I have not done before. We have a guest back for the first time, meaning he's been on once before. I'm talking about Colonel Charles Halt, and for those of you who may have missed the first edition, uh, Charles Halt is a retired United States Air Force colonel and the former base commander at RAF Bentwaters near uh, Woodbridge, Suffolk in England. In the late hours of December 27th and early December 28th, 1980, then Lieutenant Colonel Halt led a patrol to investigate an alleged UFO landing site near the eastern edge of the Rendlesham Forest. After retiring from the U.S. Air Force in 1991, Colonel Halt made his first public appearance in a television documentary where he confirmed the authenticity of the Rendlesham Forest incident. His book on the subject, which is filled with all sorts of documentation, is a massive tome, is called The Halt Perspective, and you can find that at Amazon.com, of course. In June 2010, Halt issued a notarized statement that said, I believe the objects that I saw at close quarters were extraterrestrial in origin and that the security service of both the United States and the United Kingdom have attempted both then and now to subvert the significance of what occurred at the Rendlesham Forest and RFA Bentwaters by the use of well-practiced methods of disinformation. That's a quick 
um, summary of where we're going to go today. We're going to talk about another book uh, called Left at East Gate, which was written by Peter Robbins and Larry Warren, and discuss some of the problems with that and some of the other observations that Colonel Halt has made. Welcome back to A Different Perspective, Colonel. Well, thank you. My pleasure. <laughs> well, let's get right to it then. Uh, we have just a short short time before we have to take our first break, but I know that you're not a fan of Larry Warren, who was assigned to the base at the time you were there as a rather junior enlisted man, and that you have some disagreements with what he has said in the past and what he has written. So can we, I guess we start with some of that. Well, let me just say, I have no ill feelings, and I feel very badly for him. Uh, I'll go into more detail later, but uh, despite what Peter Robbins says, I have not tried to do wrong to him, so to speak. I've just tried to put the truth out there, and I've been very frustrated by you know their reactions. Well, I think when we look at this sort of thing, and I'm talking UFO sightings in general, and we have two distinct camps of what went on and who was involved, that we often get into those sorts of disagreements with one side um, maybe attacking the other side unfairly. But when you try to put things into a different perspective, a proper perspective, that you sometimes run into those sorts of problems. Um, can you give us just quickly one or two of the problems that you have with the um, incident as they describe it? Well, first of all, I don't think he was involved. He has somebody else's story. We're firmly convinced we have evidence of that now. In fact, Mr. Warren has admitted to three, four actually very well-known UFO researchers, very highly respected people, that he lied and took somebody else's story. Well, I know back uh, quite a long time ago, and I'm, I'm thinking you know, 10 or 15 years, uh, working with Russ Estes, that he had a videotape of Larry Warren talking about his involvement at, at Bentwaters. And at the time, Warren had said that he was not actually there for two of the nights, but he had been on leave in Germany. Or on, actually, uh, he wasn't in Germany. He was in the dormitory drinking. We have witnesses that will attest to that, including his girlfriend. So, so he can't even he can't even tell us the truth about where he was at the at that time. Um, so uh, he's taken other people's story and kind of plugged himself into it. But doesn't he get a little bit of credit for the guy that kind of told uh, Barry Greenwood and Larry Fawcett about the story in the beginning? Oh, he did. In fact, I was I agreed to work with Barry Greenwood, and you can talk to him today. And of course, Larry Fawcett's passed on. And uh, as long as they kept the facts, in other words, no nonsense, no uh, little green men, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And they were all excited. And uh, we started forward, and then uh, Warren admitted to them he had lied. And they dumped him immediately. Well, I know Larry, or I'm sorry, Larry, Barry uh, Greenwood's going to be on the program next week, so we'll be able to chat well, with him Well, he can tell that. you all about it then. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but they did... a fantastic guy. He does a lot of research. He spends a lot of time and effort on this thing. Yeah, he sure does. We're going to have to take a quick break, I mean, already, for crying out loud. Uh, we'll be, there'll be more information about this at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. And uh, if you get a chance, take a look at the book, The Halt Perspective, by Colonel Charles Halt, which will give you more information about that. We will return right after these messages.
This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. How would you like to be able to read other people's minds? Well, the next best thing is here. When you know how to read a person's name, you know how the person thinks, feels, and behaves. Each letter in our name holds a key to unlock our true essence. Our name contains both our gifts and challenges in this lifetime. Nemology Science discovers personality secrets hidden in the placement of the letters of our names, including the first and last impression people remember about us. Sharon shows us how to interpret the arrangement of letters as outlined in her book, Know the Name, Know the Person. Sharon Lynn Wyeth created Nemology Science after 18 years of research and testing her theories and has supported thousands of people around the world in understanding themselves and others better. You'll enjoy Sharon's unique teachings as she shares her system to learn the gifts behind your given birth name. Even if you don't like your birth name, there are jewels in this book. If you're thinking of changing your name, ready to name your child, or wanting to get along better with others, this is the book for you. If you'd like to improve your relationships and change your life for the better, get the book today. Know the name, know the person. Or visit www.knowthename.com. That's www.knowthename.com. Take a step back in time and discover old Florida cuisine at Marsh Landing Restaurant in Felsmere, Florida. Enjoy delicacies such as frog legs, gator tail, catfish, and swamp cabbage, or enjoy the more traditional cuisine such as hand-cut Angus steaks, ribs, and seafood. Join us for breakfast with a southern flair featuring sweet potato pancakes, biscuits and gravy, and much more. Planning a party? Marsh Landing's private dining rooms can accommodate groups from 8 to 80 people. While you visit, enjoy the historic pictures, artifacts, and stories that line the walls. Marsh Landing is truly a unique experience. Marsh Landing Restaurant, 44 North Broadway in historic downtown Felsmere. Or visit marshlandingrestaurant.com. Marsh Landing, Old Florida cuisine at its best. If you're a seeker, don't miss the inspiring book, Shamanic Awakening, between the dark and the daylight. This remarkable work chronicles shamanic counselor and indigenously trained dream decoder Sander Cochran's 35 years of experience with diverse wisdom keepers throughout the Americas. Sandy's initiations across the British Isles, Turkey, Greece, and Egypt, combined with her knowledge of symbology, psychology, and myth, influence her dream blog and workshops. Sandy offers private readings, sacred international journeys, a meditative CD, and her book, Shamanic Awakening, to encourage you as you navigate your earthwalk and create a deeper connection to yourself. Find this and more at her website, starwalkervisions.com.
And we are back again with Colonel Halt, who was the uh, uh, base commander at RFA Bentwaters back in the 1980s when the uh, uh, UFO incident happened there. And his book is entitled The Halt Perspective, which can be found at Amazon. And as I say, more information can be found at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com as we continue on. And if you're interested, and you should be, other programs, you can take a look at the X-Zone Broadcast Network website at um, xzbn.net, and it'll give you a whole listing of the programs that are available and who the hosts of them are. When we went away, briefly... We were talking a little bit about... um... Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonabello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. The we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pounds. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. How the Bentwaters case, I guess, came to the forefront and how people learned about it at first. And it was Larry Warren that kind of uh, broke it to Barry Greenwood and Larry Fawcett. And they, of course, uh, quickly learned that he wasn't being exactly honest with them and they dropped him. But Larry Warren has been telling his story for a long time. And we were kind of looking at some of the things that I suppose we could say were – uh, put out in his book, uh, and I hate I hate to mention the name because it promotes it, but left at Eastgate. You can take a look at that if you so desire, but a lot of the information there is is not accurate. And Colonel Hall, you were giving us some examples of that sort of thing, so I guess that's where we need to pick up. Well, let me start really at the beginning. The first book that was put out was put out by Dot Street, Brenda Butler, and Jenny Randall's called Sky Crash. They pestered me half to death while I was still at Bentwaters, and they were working on the book. They did publish the book. The book has a few correct facts, but they didn't have all the information. I don't fault them. They did their best, but it's not a very accurate portrayal of what happened. Well, let me let me break uh, in here. Years, let me break let me break in here because there, there was a question that came up on 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 my blog about we should give Larry Warren credit for breaking the story, but you're saying that these British authors uh, were the first to break the story. How did they learn about learn about the event? Well, one of the one of the young ladies, Brenda Butler, had a boyfriend at that time who played in a band at one of the local clubs. And one of the GIs went up and told a story there. His name was Chris Pennington, to Chris Pennington. Chris Pennington related to Brenda. And Brenda and Dot and Jenny got together and started on a book, way before Mr. Warren did anything or there was anything published, let's say. Like I say, the book is not very accurate, but considering what they knew, and they just became a nuisance to me because they kept hanging around my office and pestering me and calling me, and it just... 
they were really the ones that put the word out first. Of course, they did it in Great Britain. Then a few years later, Georgina Bruni, who was very well-placed socially in the British, how shall I say, hierarchy of things in London, wrote a book called You Can't Tell the People. And she did a much better job. Of course, she had better resources and more time, and it was a very good investigative reporter, I guess is the best way to put it. And they, and Peter and Larry slammed her something awful. And then Nick Pope wrote a book with Jim Penniston and John Burroughs, and he wrote a book about their book. Then a few years later, in fact, last year, I was in Woodbridge and gave a talk and said, here's the facts, folks. And uh, Peter wrote a book, uh, Halt in Woodbridge. Would you believe in slam me for that? So after all that stuff started, I decided it's time to put the truth out there, and I hooked up with John Hansen, who's a well-known British UFO writer, and we put the book together. That's the story in the book. Now, we can go back and talk about Left and East Gate now, but well, I no. wanted to say that so people understood the background. Yeah. Yes, I never I get intended that. for I, my story I, to be public. I did not want my memo released. I did not want my tape released. But others did it and left me hanging out there, and everybody sort of abandoned me and left me on a branch out there, and it got sawed off. So there I was in the public eye, and here we are today. So, well, let's talk about Left at the East Gate. You want me to walk well, you through wait, the book? Wait, 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 wait. I want to make this – I want to make one thing perfectly clear. The original story before Left at Each Gate was published, before Larry Warren talked to Barry Greenwood and Larry Fawcett, um, Jenny Randalls and two of her colleagues wrote a book about this event. That was the first time it was publicly acknowledged? Probably. And they got the information from a young GI by the name of J.D. Engels, who went under the uh, AKA as Steve Roberts. Okay, he's the, okay. the, he's the one that went to the pub and told the story. Now, what he told was not entirely correct, because he, he wasn't there, but he had it secondhand. That's what started the three ladies doing the book called, that I mentioned earlier, Sky Crash. Okay, and then, and then George, Georgiana Bruni? Georgina Bruni. Bruni, I'm sorry. Um, she did a book before Left at Eastgate came out, is that correct? About the same time, I think, maybe or soon there. It's right about the same time. I don't remember the exact dates. Okay. The, the, only, the only thing I'm getting, getting at here is Laurie Warren didn't break the story. It was actually broken before he uh, went to Greenwood and Fawcett about it. I think that's the way it works. I, I don't. I didn't make a chronology, you know, write the exact dates down. But I know that the first person to put the word out was J.D. Ingalls. Okay. Put it out in a bar to, like I say, to Brenda Butler's boyfriend, Chris Pennington. Okay. Okay, so now, now that I cleared that up, at least in my mind, um, and and you were kind of forced into um, public disclosure about this because of the other people talking about it and bringing your name into it, would that be correct? That's correct. Once the story hit the world, if you know what I mean, my memo, my my tape, my life was changed. People pestered me to death. You cannot believe the response. Yes, I can. <laughs> I, I, met, I know how listen, that works. I was still with Bentwaters. I met BBC One, BBC Two, ITV, German TV, Japanese TV, Radio Orwell, and Lord knows who all else. Almost immediately, I had to go into hiding. Did uh, Were you the one that cleverly removed your picture from the file? So the, the, I uh, did, but Keith, B, Keith Beebe, who was a, an uh, editorial writer, I believe his title, for News of the World, which is the equivalent of the... Uh, you know, our our famous rag that was published in Florida uh, approached me 
And uh, yes, I was the one. <laughs> okay. I knew when he came to the base, they called me from the gate and said, there's a guy here from the news of the world that wants to come over and see you, talk to you, get your biography and picture. And I said, oh, my. I said, hold him up for a little while. And I ran over to the public affairs office and pulled my whole file. <laughs> I, I, and he came in. I did talk to him briefly, just told him a little bit. And he went to public affairs and couldn't find my file, so he pulled Gordon Williams, who was the wing commander, pulled his file and put his picture in the news of the world. And I've told him the story, and he just kind of laughs at it now, but he wasn't real happy at the time. <laughs> I would imagine not. Okay, so uh, the story came out. You're talking to all these people. What was the reaction of, A, the base commander and the other hierarchy in the Air Force about uh, this story coming out and you being kind of the focus of it? They just kind of stepped back and left it, left me alone. I should never have written that memo. That memo should have been written by somebody above me, but nobody wanted to touch it with a pole, and I was told to do it. Well, I didn't have much choice. <laughs> you couldn't have found a major? <laughs> no, no, because no, there was no major out there, unfortunately. Because you know what? It's kind of interesting. There's a, a gap from when the incident occurred to my memo was written, if you check the dates. That's because I was told to get with squadron leader Don Moreland, who was the RAF liaison officer, and do what he wanted to do. So I had to wait because he was in Wales for the Christmas holiday. When he came back, I got with him, and he said, we'll do a memo, which I did. And of course, I never heard anything from anybody for two or three years on the memo because the MOD buried it. But the memo wasn't classified? No. In fact, we didn't even have a copy in the office. It was typed on a select typewriter. You know the old IBM typewriters? Yes. Ones with a little element. And all yes. we had in the office was a, a carbon manifold or a carbon paper. In fact, several years later, when I wanted a copy of my memo, I had to go on the Internet to get it. <laughs> and and that's the beauty of the Internet. You can find anything there that you could possibly want in this day and, and age. And a lot you don't want. <laughs> yes, there you go. So... Um, the story is out. It's not Larry Warren telling Barry Greenwood and Larry Fawcett, who do touch on it in their in their book, Clear Intent. Um, and then, I guess, Warren gets with Peter Robbins, and they write Left at East Gate, and you have well, a problem. What happens is yes. Warren is making a lot of noise, and somebody takes him to Bud Hopkins for regression. Bud Hopkins had a, an assistant uh, admin type, Peter Robbins, who had wanted to be an artist but wasn't an artist, if you know what I mean. He never made it successfully, I guess. And uh, he, he picked up on Larry after Bud finished talking with him, and off they were and running. It's not quite that simple, but that's in essence what happened. So uh, Warren has now appropriated the story of one of the other soldiers, one of the other airmen, I'm sorry, one of the other Well, airmen. several of them, primarily Adrian Bastenza. And... Plugged himself into this story. Now you and you and uh, Peter Robbins and Larry Warren had a lunch together. A couple of yeah, decades. I tried to I tried to help them out for years. Tried to put them on track, and I talked to Warren probably five, six, seven times on the phone. I met him personally, and I told him. In fact, I told Peter. I said, Peter, privately, I said, you're on a dying horse. You're you're on a dying horse. No, you're riding it to death. Get off. And uh, he got angry with me. I, I can I can understand that, but during the course of this this interview, and I've got a copy of the tape. I think Larry Warren gave it to Russ Estes, which is how I ended up with a copy of it. There's a point point in there where you asked him if he had taken a polygraph, 
And he said no, but he'd taken voice stress analysis done by Larry Fawcett. And I'm no, thinking he took a voice stress analysis and he failed it. I have the documentation, a letter from the former director of MUFON, national director. I well, what I was going to say is I knew where Larry Warren, or not Larry Warren, Larry Fawcett. So I called him immediately after I listened to the tape, and I said, "Did you give Larry Warren a voice stress analysis?" And he said, "No, he, no, he had he not didn't. done that. He did not." So Walter Andreas did. Walt Andrus, Andrus, who was the head of um, MUFON, MUFON, the international director for quite a while. Yeah. And and uh, he failed that voice stress analysis. And the comment by was, we have no further interest in him. Andrus I have the, the document. I have the letter he signed. Walt Andrus signed. Mm-hmm. Okay. In fact, I showed it at the, the Open Minds conference on the screen. Okay. So we've um, we're, we're now we've now moved into this. Larry Warren is talking about the uh, events there at Bentwaters. What what exactly has he said that isn't isn't accurate? Let's let's kind well, of go let me walk way. you through it. I don't know how okay. much enough time. I know this is from the original book, so the page numbers may differ from what if you have a later version. Page thirty one. Small arms fire was shed, directed from off base while he was there on the flight line, at an A-10. However, there was no damage to the A-10 because it's titanium. Wrong. The A-10 is aluminum, 70-75 T-6 aluminum. It has a titanium, what's called bathtub, underneath the pilot, so if flak comes up, he doesn't get hit and hurt. But if somebody shot small arms at an A-10, guess what? It would leave a big dent, if not a hole. Uh, on page 3940, he says the base is on alert on the 29th. We weren't on alert. Gosh, it was Christmas, between Christmas and New Year's. We were at a Christmas party. Every single officer except Lieutenant England and the cop squadron who was on duty. The we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pounds. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonabello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Was at the Christmas party with a significant other. Page 42, he talks about a captain being at the motor pool when we got gas, because we did go to the motor pool and get gas. There was no captain there. There were two captains, Captain Verano, Captain Saul, both policemen, both at the party. He okay, on page 43. Let British me break in here. And it's being closed. We're at the scene. There were no British police out there. I have all the documentations from Suffolk Constabulary saying exactly when and where they were there. They came okay. out once the night we, that Jim Pennison was out after he was out, 
and they came out the following morning and they never came back again. They were going to have to take a break here. Not, we're going to have to take a break here. At a post office and they responded to that. We are going to have to take a break here because we're running up against the the timing again. Once once again, when we come back, we'll take a little bit more look at this and explore the Event Waters case in a little bit greater detail. We will be back with Colonel Charles Halt, whose book is The Halt Perspective right after these messages, so please stick around. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. There's a legend shared by many indigenous cultures of a time when the nations were cast to the four corners of the world. Each nation was given a body of sacred knowledge that held a different portion of the truth to preserve. True reality could not be known until all the nations reunited, combining the information. If a single one was missing, the world could not be reborn and darkness would prevail. The Science of Magic Radio is dedicated to reuniting the sacred knowledge. With the understanding, none of us has all the answers, but together we can open new perceptions and possibilities. Through our combined vision, the world can be reborn into a place where darkness no longer prevails. Join me, Gwilda Wiecka, and the Science of Magic daily on the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net, or visit us at thescienceofmagic.net. Gibbs A. Williams, Ph.D., is a practicing psychoanalyst, supervisor, researcher, and author in New York City. Much of his life has been dedicated to understanding nature and the uses of meaningful coincidences or synchronicities. His radical and original non-Jungian, non-mystical, non-magical theory of synchronicities illuminates much of the fog surrounding this challenging and perplexing topic. His ideas and manners are fresh, presented in a style that is both entertaining and highly informative. He is also an expert on crisis intervention, specially focused on violence reduction for the police and citizens, mastering anxiety, frustration, and stress without the use of medication, and effectively preventing and treating heroin addiction. Dr. Williams can be contacted at his email address at gwwilliamsny11 at aol.com or visit his website at... Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. 
Remember, 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. True healing must address four levels, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual, for us to live joyful and productive lives. We tend to treat three of the four, leaving the spiritual languishing. If you're tired of the same dysfunctional patterns cropping up in your life, soul balancing is for you. Trixie Phelps, owner and founder of Soul Balancing, is a naturally gifted energy healer trained in numerous esoteric forms, including shamanism. Trixie has created a powerful modality that safely and effectively clears your energetic field. A soul balancing session can remove interference, heal trauma, and restore your hope. Contact Trixie for a life-changing long-distance session today, www.soulbalancing.world. back with Colonel Charles Halt. We're talking about the uh, Bentwaters UFO landings in uh, December of 1980. And we're talking about some of the, we were talking about some of the problems with some of the information that has been published in the past uh, about this event and trying to set some of the records straight. And I think you can take a look at the Halt perspective, which has lots of the documents that we've been kind of discussing here in there so that you can get a feel for the truth of the matter. Uh, I guess the problem I'm having, and, and it's not much of a problem really, is that we've gotten a lot of the information about this from Larry Warren that's out there and circulating. Is there is there are there things about the the landing event, the aftermath of the events that uh, maybe the um, interrogations of the people who were directly involved, such as John Burroughs and Jim Penniston and some of the other men, men and women who were involved in this. Is, is there, are there some things specifically that kind of go off on a tangent that we might want to take a look at? Well, just I'm going to go through real quickly through some small things. Page 45, he said there were 40 people there. There weren't 40 people there. He claims there were cows in the field. The cattle were all in the barn. He claims there were lights on in the farmhouse. The farmhouse was dark when we were there. That's where we saw the reflection from the object. Uh, he claims there was a British policeman there with a tripod-mounted camera. The, very interesting, he claims Gordon Williams, the wing commander, drove out there. There's no way his Crown Victoria could have gone down that rough trail. We had troubles with four-wheel drive, high-centered trucks. And there's a berm at the end and a barbed wire fence. He'd need a tracked vehicle to go over. He claims he drove into the field with his car. He claims Don Moreland was with him. We know Don Moreland was in Wales. It's well documented. And it just goes on and on. And page 50, he claims after the incident, his security clearance was upgraded. Nobody on the base can upgrade a security clearance. That has to be done with an expanded background check, which takes months, usually six months to a year. But it really gets good when he talks about being taken to an underground facility with the size of the Astrodome. That's just bizarre. He claims he was literally kidnapped in a Lincoln Town car or a limous, black limousine, had green lights inside and Chinese-looking characters driving. He was gassed and driven onto the airfield side of the base, which meant he had to go through high security. No way did that car do that. We know that. And then he says he, excuse me, he emerged from the photo lab and he has a picture of the base command post. 
the base command post sits on three feet of reinforced concrete, concrete blast walls surrounding it. The door is like a bank vault with the big steel pins that slide out. There's no elevator there. It's open today as a museum. I invite anybody to go visit there. The only thing underground there is there's a small escape hatch, which is like a little tunnel, which does not break through the surface. It just goes underneath the blast wall and out just in case the door ever got jammed closed. I mean, it just goes on and on. He claims he found a plans for the secret underground facility in an insecure file cabinet in police supply office while he's working there temporarily. He claims there were suicides. The people went missing. Nobody went missing. We had no suicides. Uh, he claims he blacked out and woke up in the dorm all muddy. Don't know how he got there. But in another part of the book, he says, well, after I turned in my weapon, I went to the dining hall. Well, what happened? At one point on page 180, says there were 200 people there. Choppers were flying overhead. We know there were no aircraft in the area. Nothing was flying. Believe me. I mean, it just goes on and on and on and on. Well, you were out there. You were out there. You went out there, I guess, the second night with with Burroughs and Penniston and a number of other people. Did you see no, Larry Ward? Actually, I did not go out with Penniston. Penniston went out the first night. Burroughs came out on his own the third night. He hitched a ride. He was in civilian clothes. He wasn't on duty, and he didn't come forward with me. Just five of us went forward, including Master Sergeant Ball, Sergeant Nevels, Lieutenant England, myself, and Sergeant Pistenza, who stayed with me the whole time. Now, he says Pistenza and he confronted the craft when Gordon Williams came out. Pistenza never left my side. He stuck to me like glue. He was frightened to death. Did you see the craft? I didn't see any craft. I saw an object that I couldn't discern. It was light. I saw a glowing red object that moved under intelligent control. I saw objects in the sky, but I could not determine a shape. Now, some of the cops in the weapon storage area with high-power binoculars say that the objects we saw in the sky were triangular. I could not discern a shape. All I know is I saw bright, bright white light. The one that came overhead and sent down a beam. I could not see a clear shape. Well, I know the skeptics have said that you guys were fooled by a lighthouse. Oh, come on. I'm just. The lighthouse, I... the lighthouse has three lenses. I talked to the lighthouse keeper. I looked him up. Keith Simmons and Marlene, his wife, and talked to them for a long time. It has three lenses. A white light shines to the land. The red and green light, which are navigational lights, shine to sea. There is no red light you can see from the land on the lighthouse. We saw a red light, red and object. You, and while you were in the woods, you would have been aware of the orientation of the lighthouse. You would have known where it was. Oh, yes. More, it's out at Orford Ness. I used to go out there to the little pub and have dinner because they had good food and cheap prices. So what I'm saying is you would have, you would have been, a, if it had been a light reflected from the lighthouse, you would have said, oh, that's a lighthouse, and that would have been the end of it. Well, let me explain. The lighthouse was about 30 to 35 degrees off to the right from where the farmhouse was, and the object was between us and the farmhouse. The bright red glow was reflecting off the object onto the windows of the farmhouse. Now, how would the lighthouse, which is miles away and off to the right, be able to put a red blinding, almost like a fire, on on the farmhouse? The air traffic controllers, who admitted nothing at the time, have come forward and said they saw it go across their scope at over 4,000. The we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pounds. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. 
With no fees or minimums and no overdraft fees, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Charles Barkley in a pickup game. We'll take Barkley. Ha! First pick. Sorry, kids. Yep, even easier than that. With no fees or minimums and no overdraft fees, is it even a decision? Okay, here's the plan. Pass me the ball every time. This is banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. Miles an hour twice. They saw it come back, be stationary, saw it go into the forest. The British controllers at RAF Watersham, one of them has come forward now and said men in uniform and civilian clothes came and confiscated the logs and all the tapes from their radar. The tower operator in the weapon storage area saw the objects, as did dozens of people that were on duty there. Were any photographs taken of the objects? Yes. Uh, well, not of the objects in the sky. Uh, Pennison took pictures the first night. He had a, an issue, government issue, 35 millimeter camera, which the flight line supervisor carried. He took multiple pictures, turned them into the photo lab, and he was told they came out fogged. I don't believe a bit of that. The night I was at, Sergeant Nevels, who had a degree in photography, in fact, had his own dark room, took pictures. He was using a Nikon F2 with a Tri-X film, ASA 400. He took multiple pictures. And when he developed them, they came out fogged. So that suggests radiation? I don't know. Radiation, mistake, or foul play. One of the three, obviously. <laughs> but, I mean, you've got a guy who is a uh, photographer, has his own darkroom. He wouldn't have screwed up the film. The developing uh, of the film is very simple, especially to a Tri-X Triax film is very easy to develop. I've done it myself. I, I at that time, I well before that, I had my own. In fact, I had a pair of Nikon F2s. That's how I knew what he had, and I had my own darkroom too. In fact, I had a commercial dryer with a 36-inch belt. I was into it pretty deep for a long time. <laughs> yeah, that is deep. I had clothespins on a line uh, for oh, a dryer. No, I, I, well, I won't go into details, but I got one from Salvage and rebuild it. Okay, so his pictures didn't come out. They were fogged, and we don't know why they were fogged. No. Or uh, somebody swapped the film, or, you know, the radiation readings we got, I don't think were high enough to affect the film, but I'm not, you know, not that deep into it. It's possible. Okay. The um, uh, Peniston was out the first night. He also um, came up with this binary code. Uh, and the the question that, that pops to my mind was that something he wrote down at the time, or later the next day? And is there any way to date when he put down the binary code, as as opposed to something that he did years later? He told me here not too long ago. I don't remember exactly when he did. He wrote the code down from memory on the twenty seventh of December, which would have been a day or two after he was out there. And was there any way to date that? Did he put a date on it, or is it just... I, I, no, I, I don't know. I saw the notebook prior to that, but I did not look all the way through the notebook. I did not see the binary code. That doesn't mean it wasn't there. I didn't see it. I, I don't know. He didn't bring up the binary code until years and years later. Well, that, that was the point. He brought it up years and years later, but if he wrote it down in the hours, literally the hours after the event, and that, that is something more important than something that he may have come up with years and years later. So we really... Well, there's no, there's no way to determine that except for what he says. Absolutely. Uh, that was kind of what I was looking for. He also was out there and found depressions in the ground, I believe. They did the night they were out there, and he went back the next day. Now, he lived in Ipswich in a rented apartment, and his landlord was a plasterer. 
So he talked to his landlord and got a couple pounds of plaster of Paris and a bucket of water and went out and made in the, you know indentations and plaster casts in the three indentations rather. I have one of those casts to this day. Uh, I, and I've, I asked you this before, and I'll, I'll do it again just for clarity purposes here. Um, I think the skeptical community is suggesting those were actually rabbit warrens. That, no, they uh, definitely were not. And uh, did were any measurements taken of where the uh, impressions were on the ground or is anything like that? Yes, I did. I, we measured them. I had a tape measure. We measured the distance between them. They were all exactly equal distance apart, and they were a perfect triangle. And the the holes themselves were they they were rounded as opposed to another shape. I mean, circular. Circular, more cone shape, but they were circular. And it it, it looked like an object sat there, and the the landing gear, if you will, were was pressed into the ground as opposed to being excavated. No, it was pressed in. It wasn't excavated. Okay. The ground is rather sandy there and rather firm, and it was uh, right around freezing and may have been freezing before that. The ground was very hard packed. So there's some good physical evidence that goes along with this, not only the yeah. uh, uh, the people. Um, so when you were out there, and I think Larry Warren in the in the tape that I have was suggesting he was out there the same night that you were there. You never saw him, is that correct? No, never saw him. Are you kidding? I, you know, I would have known if I uh, if he should not have been there, let me explain. If he was out there, he put the wing, whoever let him, you know, get on duty, put us at great risk because if we had had any type of higher headquarters inspection, which we got them quite frequently, they check both medical records, they check personnel records, they check everything, and if they find someone that's not fully qualified, especially a cop guarding weapons on duty, the wing fails, the wing commander never gets promoted, the wing gets retested in 90 days, it's a nightmare. So if he was out there, somebody screwed up big time, big time in this cop squadron. And I don't think they did because they were pretty meticulous about that. We do know Mr. Warren was PRP decertified. That means he could not have a weapon. He could not have a clearance. He could not be near any flight line or anything else. And he was used for flunky details. He was actually put on the chain gang. The chain gang was Mel Zickler, who was the squadron commander for the police squadron. That's where he put his druggies waiting for discharge. Guess where he put Mr. Warren? There's only one way you get on a chain gang, and that's to be ready for discharge for drugs. However, somebody, an agency or somebody, interfered and had him pulled back and put in supply till they could get rid of him, figure a way to get rid of him quietly, because he was running around with his hair on fire talking about the UFO. And he'd heard about that because of the barracks talk. Uh, oh, yeah, everybody. And he knew Bastanza. They, they knew each other. So he learned of the story not because he was involved in it, but because he happened to be at Bentwaters at the time the whole thing went down. That's what I've been saying for 35 years, whatever it is, years. <laughs> okay. Just oh, one let me to... give you a little background. This guy no, is no, a con artist. What? We, we, we've got to take a break. We're up against it again. We'll get to that in the next segment. I promise that we will do that. Uh, if you want to get the information, the exact information, you need to take a look at the Hall Perspective, which you can find at Amazon.com, and there will be more commentary about this at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com when we come back and take a look at some of the other great programs on the Exxon Broadcast Network uh, by visiting the website and clicking on the, uh, the various hosts or programs that you might be interested in that. Will we return in just a moment with Charles Halt talking about Bentwaters and some of that ancillary activity right after this. 
This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. I am Dr. Carl O'Helvey, founder, president of a new cancer foundation focusing on evidence-based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com. Wouldn't you love to know the secret to everything? I'm Dr. Kimberly McGeorge, and on The Secret to Everything, we will merge the practical with open investigation into all realms of the mysterious. We will talk to cutting-edge alternative health practitioners, those who inspire and motivate you in business and life, and of course, we will share stories of the paranormal, conspiracy, and cryptozoology. You will transform because of the frequency I carry, the frequencies my guests carry. Life may never be the same after you listen to this program. For the secret to everything is for you, the listener. For those who desire more in every area of their lives and believe that it can still be found. Listen and discover thesecrettoeverything.com. Little children aren't the only ones afraid of the dark. Millions of soldiers return from war zones with PTSD, anger, frustration, fear, and loneliness, much of which surfaces during the darkness of the night. You have the chance to change the lives of these American heroes. Songs and Stories for Soldiers.us provides free MP3 players for these men and women. With a list of 3 million songs in 16 different styles, 100,000 audiobooks, 
and 30,000 old-time radio programs, every veteran can find something to soothe and comfort them at no cost. All our players contain an eight-hour audio program designed to help veterans fall asleep. With 1,500-plus vets now participating, it's our goal to deliver 10,000 audio players this year. Go to our website at songsandstoriesforsoldiers.us. Help us. The future will be amazing, and that's all well and good. But what about today? You can feel the rush of a 400-horsepower Nissan Z. Or climb to new heights in the all-terrain Nissan Frontier. Light up the road in the all-electric Nissan Aria that feels like a sci-fi dream come true. The future will be great, but today is made for thrill. All you have to do is get in a Nissan and drive. 2023 Aria and Z not yet available for purchase. Expected availability is this spring for 2023 Z and this fall for 2023 Aria. Help a veteran make it through the night. And we are back with Colonel Hall talking about the Bettwaters case. His book is The Hall Perspective. And as I keep saying and promising, there will be more information at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. When we went away, we were talking about uh, Larry Warren's military career and some of the things. And I believe he was in the Air Force for a total of eight months. So he wasn't exactly a super trooper. And uh, you want to continue with your thought that uh, you were – trying to get to us uh, when we had well, to take our break. Well, one thing, he got an honorable discharge, but guess what? He has a code of discharge. He can never work for the government. He can never get a security clearance. He can never come back in the, in the, on active military duty again. How does that sound to you? Um, that doesn't sound very good to me. Nope. Uh, recently, he was working for Tesco in England. Uh, Tesco is the equivalent of Kmart as a night watchman. I understand from people who tell me he got fired for stealing cigarettes. He's borrowed money from everybody and anybody he's ever been associated with and never paid back. Forged documents. Let's talk about that. Have you ever heard of Operation Bullpen? No, I haven't. The biggest FBI sting. In fact, there's a book on it. Biggest FBI sting in years. I had 100 agents working. uh, uh, Forged sports memorabilia. Guess who was associated with that? When the case broke, I guess he was a small fish. He packed up and left for England real quickly. He's photoshopped pictures, and many of the pictures in the book are photoshopped. We know that. He sold fake memorabilia, and he's still doing it today, by the way, including uh, a Stevie Vaughan guitar for 100,000 pounds, which turned out to be a forgery and fake. It just goes on and on and on. He's threatened people. When I spoke in England, he threatened to bring his motorcycle gang down and disrupt things. I've got emails that you wouldn't believe I can't put on the air because they're too profane, threatening emails, me and others. It just on and on and on. The guy is a con artist. So we've got this not credible source who um, has interjected himself into the case. Doesn't that harm the whole investigation here? Doesn't it make like make it look like the whole thing is a, a con job? What do you think the purpose is? Let me explain what I think happened. He was running around the base after the incident, claiming to be involved in making phone calls and doing this and doing that. And he got hauled in. He got drugged and hypnotized, and he'll admit to that, and that's probably true. And I think they find he was an easy patsy to put out a bogus story, and they turned him loose. He got a lot of attention, went to his head, and he went downhill from there. It just expanded. He became suddenly a rock star, if you know what I mean. Well, he was seeing all kinds of people. I mean, he claims he played pool with Jackie Gleason. He ran around with John Lennon. No, the list is endless. Well, I will say that I personally saw John Lennon on a TV program. So uh, there you go. 
uh, well, he was he was. I guess you say he was saying that he had uh, been interrogated professionally. Were other people uh, interrogated professionally in, in a similar fashion who were actually involved in the uh, event? Yes, John Burroughs, Jim Penniston, Warren, uh, Bastenza, and uh, Larry's girlfriend, Cookie Vaughn, and uh, I think three or four others, but I don't know that for a fact. You, of course, were not. I was not. I, I now pretty much know who did it, and uh, even by name, but I'm not going to put that on the air. Uh, would you tell us what agency it was? Well, it starts with a C. And does it end I. with a? Does it? It doesn't end with an A. <laughs> it ends with an A. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then. Then we we're on the same page on that one. Then I guess. So uh, I'm told that I'm told that they were on the base within a day of the first incident. Okay. But you didn't have any. You didn't have any uh, communication with them. You didn't. Uh, they, they didn't come none, and visit. None you. whatsoever. And I didn't learn until years later. I didn't know that people were drugged and hypnotized. Right. I made an issue out of. Them. I didn't learn that till four or five years later, because they okay. were afraid to talk. Well, uh, that were probably ordered not to talk, as well as being threatened, I suppose. So we're. Um, we got an event that actually took place. There's physical evidence of it. Um, there's multiple witnesses in multiple locations talking about this whole thing. We have Larry Warren talking about the story, but he's, I guess, providing, in this case, disinformation about it that kind of takes us off in a tangent that suggests it's not true. So uh, you know, I'm, I'm not really sure where to go with this now. We've got... Um, um, the physical evidence that's available. Do the skeptics have you have you talked with skeptics? Have you communicated with skeptics about what you may have seen and done? Multiple skeptics, including the guy that really pushes the lighthouse theory, Ian Ridpath. I've met him twice, I think, and talked to him numerous times and exchanged correspondence. Is he, is it cordial or is he kind of pushy? No, he actually he he wasn't rude. So he's a nice fella, and but you're you obviously don't accept his uh, the skeptical conclusions on this no, because well obviously not you know I tried to tell him you weren't there if you'd been standing where I was and saw what I saw you'd understand. What was your attitude prior to this to, to UFOs? Did you even think about it until this event took place? Uh, My only exposure to UFOs up until that time was when I was a teenager. I did read uh, a book about UFOs by Donald Kehoe, one of the original books, probably. And I put it aside, never gave it another thought. And I went out to disprove it. I did not believe when people were telling me there was a UFO, and I did not believe it. I told them there's a logical explanation. So you were, you were you went out as a skeptic, obviously. Oh, definitely, definitely. You, and when I first saw the object, the glowing red object, I thought I've seen ball lightning. And I watched it, and I said, this is not ball lightning. But I guess the thing I was kind of hinting at here or, or groping for in my, my way was that um, you and your Air Force career had not come again, up against UFOs at any point until this Never. event took place. And I can say in my Air Force career, um, I came up against one UFO story in the weekly intelligence brief, which I'm, I'm sure you were familiar with. And it was an unclassified story about a flight crew that reported to seeing, I think, a UFO near Japan at some point. That was my only exposure to UFOs when I was in the Air Force. So it wasn't something that the majority of the Air Force talked about 
uh, a great well, deal. I'll, I'll say this. A significant number of our pilots have seen things, and our air traffic controllers have seen things. They don't talk about it. It's not career-enhancing. So there is sort of a unwritten rule that you don't talk about flying saucers uh, if you want to maintain your career. That's why I was very happy when it got quiet for two years, and I was not very pleased when Mr. Warren started making all the noise and it hit the paper. Did it have any negative impact on your career? Fortunately not, because the people I worked for you know, were understanding, and they believed it, too. They believed that so, you'd there seen There were enough these... credible people on the base that were involved that uh, they knew, but they didn't want anything to do with it. Nobody wanted to touch it. It was like a, it's like a tar baby. Once you touch it, you can't get rid of it. <laughs> and, and you went out to disprove it and uh, touched the tar baby. Yes, I was thinking the whole time I was out there, why did I ever come out here? This was dumb. <laughs> and then you're ordered to write the memo, so you're, you're stuck with it forever. That's why we didn't keep a copy in the office. It was going to go away. Man, go to the MOD and let them handle it. Well, I understood there, there was a uh, conflict between the U.S. government and the British government about who was going to investigate the sighting, depending on it was on British soil. No, it was American uh, airmen involved. Uh, the two-star That's general, General Baisley, after he heard my tape, said it's off the base. It's a British affair. Case closed. Now, that doesn't mean we didn't have an interest. I understand my tape was surprised, provided all the way to the four-star in Germany, and I think, copy my memo, and I suspect, but don't know for a fact, that Jim Penniston's photos were probably sent there, too, amongst other places. Penniston never saw his photos. Never saw his photos. Okay. And you have no problems with Penniston's credibility. You believe him absolutely. Yes, I have problems with what he says, only he believes it. I just don't understand. It doesn't make sense to me. That's all. Okay. Well, I can understand that. I mean, people are honestly trying to report what they've seen or what they've done. They believe it to be the truth, but they've somehow manipulated the reality so it's not quite accurate. But you believe Penniston. Well, you you know the object was there because you saw it yourself. Uh, something was there. I know that. It was some, there was a presence. Over three nights, there was something there. Uh, do you recommend Nick Pope's book that he wrote with John Burroughs and Jim Penniston? Um, yeah, Nick had a lot of problems writing the book. If he, John John Burroughs is really difficult to deal with. John's always had problems, and he's he's had more since the incident. Now, that may be what a result of what happened in the forest, or that may be a result of what the spooks did to him. Don't know. But you, well, you believe John Burroughs as well, and you believe the other men who were there. Uh, on the other night, they, they confronted something. Yes, I do know that. They gave me sketches. I interviewed them almost immediately thereafter. Well, it was a couple of days later, and they drew sketches for me what they saw independently, and they both drew the same kind of sketch. Okay, and and is is the sketches are the sketches in the uh, Nick Pope's book? I'm trying. I, I don't remember. I think they're in there. I think there's also there's also pages of the notebook with the binary code in the book as well. Yeah, that's so. in there. That's in, I remember that's in there too. Are there sketches in your book, uh, the whole perspective? I think John put them in there, as I remember. So if I still the, have the original sketches, by the way. <laughs> well, there you go. So if you want to really learn what happened at Bentwaters, the place to go is the whole perspective. What we've done in the book, there's 
It's over eight, almost 800 pages with a thousand pictures, many in color. That's why it's so expensive. It costs us 40 some dollars to, to, to do the book. We're actually losing money on the book, I have to tell you. And it's not written to be a bestseller. It's written for the serious person that's really interested in the case or researchers, so it's all documented in one place. We put a lot of Warren stuff in there with my comments, a lot of other people's stuff in there with comments. So you can read through and draw your own conclusions. Well, Colonel Halt, we've run out of time. I want to thank you for appearing on A Different Perspective once again and giving us your different perspective about what happened at Bentwaters. And as I say, if you want to know the story of Bentwaters, the place to go is the Halt Perspective. Thank you for uh, talking to us today. We will be back next week. We will be talking to Barry Greenwood and the perspective on UFO history, which he is trying to collect for everyone that wants there. If you want more information about some of the things we talk about, look at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. And if you're interested in the Roswell face, please take a look at Roswell in the 21st Century. We will be back in 167 hours.